you did not hear, that was Maddie saying, yo, gabba gabba, right as she was exiting. And these are my keys up here. If I come asking later what I did with my keys, remind me that they're right here. I probably will. I don't know how to make this. Um, oh, thanks. One of my biggest fears about coming up here is that I'll have to um, go to the bathroom in the middle. And I have to go to the bathroom. Um, so God is so good to, to uh, so I'll sit and then hopefully it'll go away. Is that weird? Does that make you feel uncomfortable? Uh, I don't necessarily mean to be weird. I just am. I just am. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Kathy. I'm on staff here. I get the privilege of sharing some scripture with you tonight. Um, my style is pretty conversational. Um, I'm not ordained. I just love Jesus, and I love you guys. So I want to share what I think he's sharing with me. Um, but, and that would be bread, bread. Um, I want to start off with prayer, because that's a good place to start. Jesus, um, you're good. Thank you for this time that we get to be together. Thank you that there's freedom to be weird, and um, maybe even more so here. Um, thank you for the children and their hearts, and um, all that running around and dancing is just so precious and is their act of worship. Um, I thank you that we get to worship together. Lord, let these be your words and not mine. And whatever is not of you, would you make fall away and not stick? Um, but what is from you, would you make it stick? We love you so much. Amen. So, um, last week, uh, my good friend Jesse Heilman shared uh, this quote with us here at SCUM. Um, we were having a meeting, and she shared this quote um, from a book that she's reading, and I don't even know the name of the book, but Reappearing Church from Mark Sayers. That's Mike's brother. No, different. Different Sayers. Okay. I wrote it up there, but I, I didn't know who it was from, what it was from, but th she gave me this quote, and it has stuck with me all week. It's like, it's frustrated me. It's perplexing. It, uh, frankly, is kind of discouraging. Um, and if I wasn't rooted in Christ, it probably, something like this quote would make me want to give up on you all. <laughs> Um, but thankfully, thank Jesus, he's alive and well and working through each of us. Um, so let's read this quote. Um, I'm going to read it to you. You could read it out loud if you want, but I'm going to read it. And I, and I want you guys to think about it and really let it sink in. Because um, it's forever changed my life. <laughs> we are shaped by the passive-aggressive tone of consumerism, where we want maximum say with minimum responsibility. We are shaped primarily by our fluid and ever-shifting feelings. We yearn for community and connection, yet fear commitment and consistency. 
We wish for justice while desiring hedonistic payoffs. We religiously point the fingers at others while jealously guarding our own right to do as we please. All these factors place us in a spiritually precarious place. This quote to me feels so accurate. Um, And maybe that's why it's so frustrating for me. Uh, We as humans, we just want to get our fill, right? We want to say what we want. We want to do what we want. We want to get what we want. I had to look up the word hedonistic. I didn't know what it meant. Does anybody know what it means? Am I the only one? You know, you know. I didn't know what it meant. So I had to look it up. Um, A hedonist is a pleasure seeker. But not just the occasional pleasure seeking. Um, A hedonist is someone who believes that the pursuit of pleasure is the most important thing in life. According to my Googles. (laughs) I mean, that kind of sounds extreme to think like, okay, I mean, I'm a pleasure seeker, but I'm not, it's not like the most important thing in life, right? It seems like an extreme thing to be. Um, But I think maybe we have that just a little bit. Maybe each of us have that. Um, An example for you, I'll use myself um, because it's easier to share in um, my embarrassing examples with you. Um, Aaron, my husband, um, I'm always like yelling at him, by the way. So if you think that I'm this sweet person, just ask Aaron. (laughs) You might say differently. Um, But an example is when Aaron and I are trying to pick a restaurant, um, he'll say something to the effect of, how about pizza? And my response will be like, nah, we just had pizza. I don't want pizza. And he'll say, burgers. How about burgers? And I'm like, ugh, they make me feel so fat and full. I don't, I don't want burgers. Which is a surprising response because I absolutely love burgers. So he probably thought that I would go for it right away. But I didn't. I rejected his idea about getting burgers. Tacos? Nah, I got heartburn already. I can't, I can't deal with more heartburn. And so this, this kind of goes on and on and on and on for way too long. Um, and I don't even consider him or the kids and what they want. I don't. Because I just want what makes me feel good. Um, I've got these cravings that just need to be satiated. You ever have that? Like physically, just even like you get up in the middle of the night and nothing will do but Taco Bell. Nothing. And you have to, you have to run and get it. Has anyone done that? Is that just me? Okay, I share a lot of examples about food up here, but that's because I'm an addict. I am a food addict. I really am. Um, so I um, have been trying to discipline myself in this area of my life for the past year. Um, I've tried to cut out sugar, which is a really big deal for me. I don't know if I've ever shared my love for cupcakes with you. Have any of you uh, 
Ever heard me talk about cupcakes? I can t go on and on and on about cupcakes. I love them. I freaking love cupcakes. I, um, before this whole practicing discipline, I had a cupcake like at least once a week, at least. My favorite, um, my favorite story, <clears throat> excuse me, I got a frog in my throat. My favorite story is of Dave Weatherby um, coming home with cake and Scarlett saying, why do, you, why do you have cake? Why did you buy cake? And he goes, why do I need to have a reason, you know? And that's how I feel about cupcakes. Like, I don't have to wait for birthdays or celebrations. Like, I can get them whenever I want, right? And I did, and I did, which is why I gained so much weight. Um, so, this isn't about me, but I have lost 18 pounds. I gained two, so I've only lost 16. But it has been so hard to discipline myself because I like to feel good. It's not just about the feeling of full or the way sugar tastes. Um, it's, it's about the way it, it makes me feel emotionally. Um, and so I've, I've, I've gone to food, I've turned to food um, for a long time. And so I'm really, um, I'm really trying to change that, but it's been a struggle for me. Um, so <clears throat> we're coming up on a season of consumption, right? Like Halloween, there's candy for days, you know, Thanksgiving, um, Christmas. I mean, we, we, it's food, it's celebrations, it's shopping, it's gifts, etc., etc., etc. We all have seen Black Friday, right? You see how great people die. People die on Black Friday. That's how crazy it gets. Like, I'm laughing, but it's, it's serious. It's a serious consuming thing about our culture. I'm sure we're even tempted at church to, to have this feeling of, of wanting to be full, of wanting to be satisfied. Um, I mean, I'm, I, I struggle with it. Even being up here, I want, I want you to be filled up. I want you to walk away with something new, with something different, with something convicting. I want that for you. But I, do I want that so much because I want you to draw into a deeper relationship with Jesus? Or do I want that to pat myself on the back? Do I want that um, just for the, the sake of the feeling, of feeling full? Um, sometimes. Um, I had, Aaron and I were talking about this on the way here today, and as I was sharing my struggle of wanting those things for you guys, um, he was saying it's, it's this idea that is emotionally and self-driven, um, that we want that feeling, even like we want to come to church to be changed, you know, we, we want to feel good after this and we we really like even idolize this part of the service right of the the sermon the teaching whatever you want to call it um so much that sometimes we we don't even take part in the other parts of church you know um that's why when we do announcements we say this is part of our worship it's all part of our worship um so we we all get like that right we all have that um, desire to be filled. 
we, we nitpick, we at everything, everything. I mean, events, worship set, the sermon, like um, I do. I do it too. So I'm, anything I'm talking about is like, I'm right there. I'm experiencing it too. Um, do you guys know what I mean? <laughs> you guys been, been there, done that, felt that at least once? Um, I've got good news, okay? I'm not just going to be up here Debbie Downer, okay? We're not alone. We're not alone. I'm glad that you guys gave me some heads up of affirmation of like, yeah, no, we've been there. We hear you, Kathy. We're not alone. Humans have been struggling with this since the beginning of time. Since the beginning of time. And Jesus has come to help turn our focus away from ourselves and focus on him. He has come to give us life and life abundantly. And he has given us a direct response, a direct response to this personal struggle this common struggle, I think, and how to deal. So let's read some scripture. I'm going to switch between some translations. Um, I like the message at times, so I'm going to use the message. I'm also going to, that's what you see, the MSG, that means the message, Um, and then also NLT, New Living Translation. Um, So that's what that means up there. Um, Yeah. This is just a part, a portion. I like to say that because, you know, like, this is a snapshot of the big picture. So I really want to encourage you guys to read these passages on your own at home. I want you to read them in context. It's impossible to cover the big picture, but I'm going to try to cover some of it. But in this short window that we get um, to have with each other, so really, like, I encourage you to read the whole book of John. Maybe you won't read it in one night, but when you get home, um, really, like, dive into it. You won't be disappointed, and you won't be uh, feeling left empty. Trust me. Trust me. So John 6, 22 through 26. The next day, the crowd that was left behind realized that there had been only one boat and that Jesus had not gotten into it with his disciples. They had seen them go off without him. By now, boats from Tiberias had pulled up near where they had eaten the bread blessed by the master. So when the crowd realized he was gone and wasn't coming back, they piled into the Tiberias boats and headed for Capernaum, looking for Jesus. When they found him back across the sea, they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, you've come looking for me, not because you saw God in my actions, but because I fed you filled your stomachs and for free. So these people had just seen Jesus feed about 5,000 people from just five loaves of bread and two fish. You guys have, I'm sure, heard that story, which is crazy. I mean, that's a miracle. Like, I don't know if you've been able to feed 5,000 people from just five loaves of bread and two fish, but I think it's impossible, not for Jesus. Um, But instead of focusing on the glory of being with Jesus, the Son of God, being in his presence all together, they just wanted their fill. And they wanted miracles. They wanted to be satisfied. John 6, 27 through 38. Jesus said, 
Don't waste your energy striving for perishable food like that. Work for the food that sticks with you, food that nourishes your lasting life, food the Son of Man provides. He and what he does are guaranteed by God the Father to last. To that they said, well, what do we do then to get in on God's works? Jesus said, throw your lot in with the one that God has sent. That kind of commitment gets you in on God's works. They waffled. Why don't you give us a clue about who you are, just a hint of what's going on? When we see what's up, we'll commit ourselves. Show us what you can do. Moses fed our ancestors with bread in the desert. It says so in the scriptures. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus responded, the real significance of that scripture is not that Moses gave you bread from heaven, but that my Father is right now offering you bread from heaven, the real bread. The bread of God came down out of heaven and is giving life to the world. They jumped up at that. Master, give us this bread now and forever. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The person who aligns with me hungers no more and thirsts no more ever. I have told you this explicitly because even though you have seen me in action, you don't really believe me. Every person the Father gives me eventually comes running to me. And once that person is with me, I hold on and I don't let go. I came down from heaven not to follow my own whim, but to accomplish the will of the one who sent me. Jesus responds, he says, I am the bread of life. He's our very sustenance. He is our fill. He is our everything. But maybe you're like, Kathy, I'm gluten-free. I can't eat bread. That's okay. Okay, let's look at this then. This truth, this provision in another context. This runs all throughout the book of John. In just two chapters before, John chapter 4, is when Jesus talks to the woman at the well. You guys have heard this story, I'm sure. I didn't put it up there. Um, but you know the story. He meets a Samaritan woman, which was a big deal for any Jew to talk to a Samaritan, let alone a Jewish man to talk to a Samaritan woman, one with her kind of background and past and the, her lifestyle choices. So he meets her at the well and he asks her for a drink. And he says, you know, I have this water that never runs out from a well that never runs dry. She said, give it to me. Absolutely. Like, who wouldn't want that? Give me this water. He says, I am the living water. What does this mean? What does this mean? That's what I tell God a lot. I say that to God. What does that mean? You're like, Kathy, I don't really like water. Okay. I know people who don't like water. Steve? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, give me something sweet. Give me something bold flavors, you know. I mean, they make all those little squeezy things. You can add to water. makes it better, you know. Um, okay, all right. Maybe you're, maybe you're like Steve. You're H2O intolerant. Um, let's go to John 15. Isaac read that. We've been reading that at the beginning. Jesus says in this passage, I am the vine, and you are the branches who bear much fruit. 
Mm. Fruit. That's sweeter. That's better. That's what I'm talking about. But how can we bear fruit without the vine? Jesus. We can't. We can't. He is the source. Cut the vine, the root, your grapevine will not thrive. In fact, it will die. Is anyone a gardener in here? Anyone got a green thumb? Great. We're all in the same boat. I am not a gardener. Um, I um, have actually killed many plants. Um, many Everybody. There's this meme I saw on Facebook, and it's like this woman talking to a plant at the store, and she's like, do you want to come home and die? Come home with me and die. It's really sadistic, but that's pretty much, um, that is me. I want them to thrive. I do. I want to have a green thumb, but I just know too little. I know too little. I don't know what I'm doing. I overwater. I underwater. I put them in the wrong places, and I've I've actually, I don't know if you've ever done this, have you ever accidentally killed a plant because you dug too deep or snipped too low where you killed the root, essentially then killing the plant? I've done this so many times you'd think I would learn, but every plant is different. They all look different. Um, Roses, you have to cut like above the five leaf or something, and sometimes I cut below the five leaf and it's dead. It doesn't come back and we have a memorial service for the rose bush. Um, but I, I want to be a nurturer. I want them to thrive. Um, but I cut off the root, the life source. It's not going to thrive. Jesus is our root. Not only does he satisfy, but he is from where and whom we get our fill. He is our very life source. Ephesians three fourteen through 18. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. His roots that are our very source of life is his love. And this is my prayer for each of us. And I know I've read several passages already, but here's another. Ephesians 6, 13 through 18. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. You see, this consumerism, the temptation to be satisfied on every whim, every craving, 
is a part of the daily warfare we all experience. For each of us, it may be different for how it plays out. I've shared with you my struggle, you know. That's one struggle of many struggles I have. Um, So as we experience this daily, maybe for you it's only from time to time, maybe it's this upcoming season where we're bombarded with it, let's think of these few things. I'm a practical thinker, so let me give you some bullet points to take away with you. First, turn to Jesus. Let him be enough for you. Let him satisfy your every need and desire. This means that we have to humble ourselves um, to seek humility, even. That's a hard one. I didn't think I was so prideful until God really (laughs) revealed it to me and showed me how to seek humility. This means that we trust him to be enough, to provide for all of our needs and even our desires. Second, be rooted in love. Let Christ's love permeate you. And out of that comes action. Meaning everything we do and say is a byproduct of love, of relationship with Jesus. And when we forget and fall short, because we will, and we do, we run back to the first step. And then we make it right with those we've sinned against, right? And then we move forward in love. Third, how? Let scripture, prayer, and disciplines be your weapons. There is freedom in them all. So just as we were reading in Ephesians 6 about it being our weapon, that's been my phrase lately of like, when I'm feeling down, when I'm feeling anxious, when I'm feeling like the world is against me and everything is not working out right, I'm like, I need to get my gun in my holster. And that is scripture. Like, it's not just this discipline that becomes, I mean, it's become like this thing that we feel like we have to do. It's like a drudgery. Like, we're just like, ugh. And and it's not to make you feel ashamed if you're not reading your word. Don't, Don't hear that from me, you know? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is there's life in it. There's life. And that in disciplining ourselves, there's freedom in that. Richard Foster writes in his book, Celebration of Discipline, that the spiritual disciplines are a door to liberation and that God has given us the disciplines of the spiritual life as a means of receiving his grace. The disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so that he can transform us. That's freeing. To me, that is so freeing. I don't have to worry about leveling up. I don't have to worry about my addictions even, my struggles. Because God has granted us total freedom. And in him, in choosing to look to him in everything, and letting love drive everything we do and say. There's freedom in that. So I want us to live in this freedom together. I I wanted to talk about so many different things tonight, but I'm just going to keep it simple because I think I complicate things a lot of times. I think we all do. Um, 
but I want us to let God be our very source of life, that everything is out of relationship with him. And when we're feeling tempted by these daily warfares of consumption, of just wanting to come to church even and be fed and be filled and be satisfied, having the feeling of being full, um, that we just turn our eyes to Jesus and let him be our fill. Let him be our satisfaction. Let him be our freedom. Let him be everything that drives everything. We're going to take communion. Um, I like leaving it up um, for us to come and partake. We're going to have a few songs Tyler's going to lead us in. So I'm just going to leave it sitting here. Um, and you can come and partake at any time you want. This is a representation of Jesus being the bread of life. He died for us. His body was broken for us. His blood was shed for us so that we could have life and life abundantly with him. So as you take part in this communion, remember those things. Not only what Jesus has done initially for you, but what he continues to do, and even the things you don't see or understand. Um, just revel in it, in the mystery of it all. Um, I love you guys. Thank you.